Hey everyone, welcome back to Raising the Bar, a podcast dedicated to broadening the AI conversation in its practitioners and usage. I'm your host, Isha Kareem. Last week, we discussed the controversy surrounding AI and social media. You know, we talked about Twitter and Facebook and all of that. Today, we're gonna take a survey of machine learning in general. What is AI? How does AI work? And most importantly, how does it affect us in our everyday lives? So think of today's episode kind of as an AI 101 or an intro to AI, if you will. Very first year college-esque, if you ask me. Everyone knows the destructive robots and stuff, but what exactly is AI and what does it do? Like I've mentioned probably a million times by now, the concept of AI has really just run rampant in our popular media today. Nowadays, you get the public struck with images of killer robots or VR assistants like Alexa, Cortana, or Siri when asked to picture artificial intelligence. Even without these images already given to us in movies, TV, or film in general, we may be thinking of the prophecies of machines taking our jobs in the future. I know that nearly every second headline in the tech section of any publication right now is talking about that. But the truth is AI is a lot more unobtrusive than many initially picture, and it has a lot of potential for human good. From AI babies, more on that later, to IBM's chess playing Deep Blue. But before we delve into all of that technology, let's take a moment to clarify an important question. How do we define what is and isn't AI? Our notion of AI has evolved over the years. In retrospect, this makes sense because our technology has evolved and therefore our understanding of the type of intelligence we can create has developed. So, the more AI grows, the more our horizons broaden. Okay, so a little time travel now. In the first half of the 20th century, science fiction familiarized the world with the concept of artificially intelligent robots. It began with the heartless Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz, you know, a classic childhood film, and continued with the humanoid robot that impersonated Maria in Metropolis. By the 1950s, we had a generation of scientists, mathematicians, and philosophers with the concept of AI culturally assimilated into their minds. You know, it may not be technologies that we have or envision today, but it certainly was an idea or a picture that has evolved over time. One such person was Alan Turing, a young British polymath who actually explored the mathematical possibility of AI. You know, the first time I learned about him actually was through a movie, Benedict Cumberbatch's portrayal of him in The Imitation Game. But anyways, Turing suggested that humans use reason and information to solve problems and make decisions, so why can't machines do the same thing? Enter the Dartmouth Summer Research Project on Artificial Intelligence. As history tells us, big name means big impact. It was pretty much the conference that started it all. It was a summer workshop held in 1956 to discuss natural language processing, abstraction, the theory of computation. Okay, basically it was just one huge brainstorming session. The conference was historic, no doubt about that but it actually fell short of its original goals. People came and went as they pleased, and there was a failure to agree on standard methods for the field. 
Despite this, the Dartmouth Conference is incredibly important and monumental to the history of AI, not only in coining its name, but also in developing a collaborative enthusiasm that spanned institutions. Of course, people have different goals when creating AI. Some want to simulate the human brain and have an AI that can accomplish many tasks, while other developers just want to accomplish a single specific task and use AI to do it. Others, in between of these two ideas, you know, nothing is ever the binary, use human reasoning as a model, but their end goal is not to recreate it. So an AI that works to imitate the human brain would be considered a strong AI, and one that accomplishes a specific task would be called a weak AI or narrow AI. So narrow AIs are built for a particular task or with a goal in mind. Let's use philosopher John Searle's Chinese room thought experiment to understand its role. This is where things get a little tricky. Is it possible for a machine to be intelligent? To understand a language? If it is to understand a language, our intelligent machine should be able to grasp the meanings of words and sentences. For example, the sentence, it will rain on Friday. And if it can do that, then it can have beliefs, right? I believe that it will rain on Friday. And if it can have beliefs, then possibly it can have other mental states like hopes. I hope that it will rain on Friday. And fears. I fear that it will rain on Friday. But what is required to grasp the meaning of words? Maybe you haven't thought about this, and, and I'll admit, I've never considered it either. Chiefly because language is so natural that you forget how exclusive it is to humans. American philosopher John Searle asks you to imagine this scenario. There is a room. Sometimes people come to the room with a piece of paper which they slip into the room through a slot. Then they wait a while until the same piece of paper comes back out of the room through a second slot. You soon discover that the people slipping the paper into the room are native Chinese speakers who are sending questions written on the paper into the room. When the paper is later passed out of this room through the second slot, the Chinese speakers soon discover that an answer has been written below the question. The answer is also in Chinese, and the native speakers determine that it is in fact a wise answer to their question. When the Chinese speakers receive intelligent answers to their questions, they reasonably conclude that there is a person in the room who understands Chinese. Any of us would jump to this conclusion. But in this thought experiment, we are to imagine that the person inside the room understands no Chinese and speaks only English. For the sake of discussion, assume that it is you inside the room and you don't know Chinese. The room is full of books. Perhaps there's a language dictionary in there as well. Messages are passed into the room with symbols written on them. Your job is to look through the books until you find the string of symbols that look exactly like the ones written on the piece of paper. When you find that string of symbols, the book will tell you in English what new string of symbols you should write in response. The books function as a computer program. Each page gives instructions for how to manipulate the symbol. The instructions at no point make any reference to the meaning of the symbols, 
That is, you'll never find an English translation of any of the Chinese characters. None of these books is anything like a Chinese-English dictionary. Instead, like a computer program itself, it instructs the reader how to manipulate the symbols based on their formal properties, their shape or position or stroke, not their meaning. If you see symbol X here, then write symbol Y there. Narrow AI will never reach human comprehension, but it can do singular tasks very well. It has no interest in reasoning or comprehending, only to achieve its instructed goal. An example would be IBM's Deep Blue, which is pretty much a chess-playing robot. Deep Blue takes in all the possible chess moves to decide which moves to do. It doesn't understand the game of chess, it can't understand why it chose a particular move or rationalize the pieces. All it does is compare moves to find an optimal strategy. And it was pretty amazing it won a game against chess master Garry Kasparov. I know this might sound cruel and calculating and slightly cold of me, but that is narrow AI. All it is in the end is computing power. It's not meant to imitate a human. Okay, moving on from chess. Let's talk about something that all of us can relate to, being a chess master or not, movies. And not just movies, but CGI movies. What do Planet of the Apes and King Kong have in common? You know, other than the fact that both are about primates. Like 90% of the films use 3D graphics. The first thing that may come to mind when you think of CGI is an action scene. Honestly, I can recount like a hundred scenes where King Kong swats a helicopter into the Empire State Building. Actually, 3D films are mostly used in these movies to remodel human actors with different forms and features, you know, add an extra limb here and there. Films like King Kong and Avatar actually have really lifelike animations, thanks to the efforts of Academy Award-winning AI engineer Mark Sager. Today, Sager has moved on from the film industry and is using his expertise in computer graphics, human physiology, and AI. Mark Sager has plans for the muscles in your face. He is mapping the neural wirings beneath the wrinkled nose, the puckered mouth, the narrowed eyes, and thousands of other facial signals to make computers look and act more like human beings. A lot more. Baby X is the virtual brainchild, pun intended, of Mark Sager and his researchers. The child is basically a 3D rendering of an actual baby. Surprisingly enough, but again, we've been here before, you can even converse with her. Yes, Sager refers to Baby X as her. Baby X is very much based on the human brain, with its neural network modeling the connections between our synapses. The model contains nodes that imitate the neurons in our brain. So what does that mean? Baby X can learn through experiences, much like an actual human toddler would. As the creator puts it, the goal of Baby X is to explore the nature of how we would build a digital consciousness and examining if it's possible given current AI technologies. Baby X is considered a strong AI because it doesn't have an end goal in sight. Baby X was created to be taught, to be constantly learning, just like humans do. We're all students of life, and that is the goal of strong AI. While AI that plays chess couldn't have a conversation with you in French, a strong AI could be able to do all of that and much more, as long as it's taught. This type of research can help people learn how the human brain works, as well as create more adaptable systems. Truly, Baby X is the world's first solution for dynamically creating and teaching what Sager's company Soul Machines calls digital people. Isn't that crazy? 
Scientists right now are paving the path for digital consciousness using artificial intelligence. Like what you're hearing? Make sure to hit the subscribe button now so you never miss an episode. AI impacts us in so many ways. You may be aware of the multitude of fields that AI plays into. Popular areas like natural language processing, computer vision, big data, medicine, self-driving cars, and human-robot interactions. And I can guarantee you that at some point in your life, you have probably interacted with either one or more of these products. Each of these fields are quite diverse. You know, even within NLP, there are projects ranging from detecting fake news to summarizing documents. Big data can be analyzed for predictions at rates that would be impossible for humans to replicate. There are also many, many areas where AI can be used to optimize, and we can expect many interesting applications of AI to pop up in the near future. One area for optimization you may have heard about is traffic. So the idea is to train an AI model to gather real-time traffic data from surveillance cameras and generate the most optimal traffic flows. I'm from India, and the number one problem there, you know, besides food poisoning, is traffic. Currently, New Delhi traffic police have implemented an infrastructure which gathers traffic data from several thousand cameras. This data is then analyzed and used to output insights to inform policy change. Although there are some issues, this is a step in the right direction. Ideally, we would want an AI system to watch every road and make real-time decisions to regulate traffic. Since this system would prioritize safety and minimal traffic, car accidents would be less frequent and lower in number. Traffic AI is a work in progress that has caught the attention of many AI experts. Hopefully sometime in the near future, we'll be seeing some changes on the roads. All right, it's time to go for a little detour and visit a scenario that is all too familiar for some of us. You've snuck into the fridge for a midnight snack and you're rummaging around there when you come across some food that's about to expire. Problem is, you're not sure what to do with this ingredient. You don't have the other ingredients that go along with this one and you don't want to waste it. Then, while you're concerned about what to do, you notice another food item that's actually expired. Oops. Well, guess what? We've done this a million times today, but there is an AI application to solve this problem, as trivial as it may seem. Take an AI application that keeps track of every item in your fridge, reminds you when they approach expiration, and provides recipes that combine these ingredients with the ultimate goal of preventing food waste. Now take this application and multiply it by a million households, and food waste becomes less prominent. Food waste ends up wasting nearly a quarter of our water supply, or over $172 billion in wasted water. When food is disposed of in a landfill, it rots and becomes a significant source of methane, a potent greenhouse gas with 21 times the global warming potential of carbon dioxide. An AI tool solving what seems to be a singular problem could play a role in something seemingly as distant as global warming. Again, we're just going through a feedback loop. Informed AI amplifies human benefit across sectors. 
Of course, this is very idealistic, as most things in science seem to be right now. Honestly, AI-generated recipes sound sketchy. God forbid the bugs in both your meals and the code. It's a thought, though, and can be especially useful for those who aren't big on cooking. If you're interested in an AI application like this, check out Plant Jammer, which generates custom recipes based on the ingredients the user wants to use and then provides a step-by-step -step guide on how to make the dish. While nuanced, AI has the potential to make our lives much easier and tackle societal and human issues. The applications of AI we explored in this episode and in previous ones are a very small subset of what AI can do. I encourage you to pick a problem and brainstorm a machine learning integrated solution for it. It can be anything because that's the beauty of AI. It's universal applications. While it can accomplish much for us, we must also keep in mind that AI is a tool created by humans. It's prone to human error. We're not infallible. This lack of perfection, as I'm going to put it, can and has resulted in negative impacts. Will AI ever be perfect? Stay tuned for the next episode in this two-part installment on how AI reflects us to learn more. On that note, it's time to wrap up today's episode. As always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raising underscore podcast to continue the conversation. We want to hear from you directly too, so write us. Leave us a message on Anchor or email us at raising.podcast at gmail.com. While you're at it, if you found value to today's show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to tune in next week for our latest episode. That's it for today, and stay tuned for more bars that need raising.